Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 148. The RV Entrepreneur Podcast is for anyone interested in downsizing their life, creating remote income, and working from anywhere in the world. I wanted to start off today's podcast with just a sincere thank you to everyone who has listened to this show. Coming up on 150 episodes is insane. If you listen to the beginning of this podcast, I kind of talked about how I look at everything in through the lens of runway. And I gave myself 50 episodes for this podcast to see if, one, I enjoyed doing the podcast, talking to people, and two, if people received value from listening to this show. And the overwhelming feedback was, yes, you should keep doing the podcast. We're getting value from it. And on top of that, getting to meet people who have come to our conference or we've met up with them on the road or through email has just been cool stories of people listening to this, driving to their jobs, and then maybe one day quitting and then going to live in RV. So... I think that is a positive influence if you're listening to a podcast interviewing people who live on the road. So before moving forward in this episode, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has listened to this podcast and taken time out of your day. I always want to show up and provide as much value as I can for you guys. And so if you ever have any ideas or recommendations for guests, people you want to interview on the podcast, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, if you're running a business, you've been on the road for over six months, or you're building a cool solution in the RV space, and it's just kind of an interesting uh, business that you have going on, or you're just a traveler and a world nomad, and you have an interesting uh, story that you want to share on the show, reach out to me, Heath, at Campground Booking, as I would love to, to hear your story. And one more thing before jumping into today's episode, I wanted to give you guys a little announcement slash update. Alyssa and I are releasing our tickets for the 2019 RV Entrepreneur Summit on August 15th at 10 a.m. Central. The RVE Summit is a four-day conference that we're hosting this year in northern Alabama at Lake Gunnersville State Park, which is in the hill country of northern Alabama, if you've never been there, on March 21st through the 24th. Over the course of four days, we'll host main stage talks, workshops, and meetups, all geared around this idea of growing a business that allows you to travel and go see the world from an RV. Our speakers share stories and key lessons around what they've learned transitioning to this lifestyle, scaling their business, and it's really a chance to be around a bunch of other like-minded people who are also working on similar goals. We're capping tickets this year at 300 for the event, keeping it small and intentional on purpose because a lot of the value is getting to connect with people. And if we grow too much, that can't happen. So if you want to learn more, go to the RVEntrepreneur.com. Tickets will go on sale August 15th at 10 a.m. Central and excited to see you guys there. Today, we're kicking off a new series on the podcast now that we wrapped up the From Blog to Book series with Alyssa, where I'm interviewing full-time RVers who are currently doing some kind of side hustle while traveling from their RV. Chris Gillibo is a friend of ours who hosts a daily podcast on this specific subject. He was really the inspiration for the series. The show is really cool. It is called The Side Hustle School, and every day it tells a story of somebody who has a profitable side hustle. I would highly recommend it. The first episode in this series is with Ani, who is the founder of Probably a Good Dog. I think that's my favorite name of any business owner shop who I've had on the show. Probably a Good Dog is an Etsy shop where Ani paints custom pet portraits of animals dressed in silly and sometimes serious attire. The portrait I'm looking at right now is of a cute little dog named Moose dressed up in a LA Angels baseball uniform, which is amazing. In this episode, we talk about how Ani got started with probably a good dog and how she runs it from her RV, as well as the 
the resistance that artists face when deciding to put their products out there into the world. She wasn't always running probably a good dog and painting silly pet portraits. So we talk about that transition going from something that you do as a hobby to actually charging for it. And what is that like? How do you choose price points? And specifically, some of the ways that she's been able to grow from just painting portraits of dogs of her family members to growing outside of that network of friends and family to gaining new customers, how she's leveraged Instagram influencers and doing free portraits in order to reach new people. I really hope you guys enjoy this side hustle series. And if you have any recommendations on guests or you have a side hustle that you're running from your RV, reach out to me because I would love to include you on this series. Before we jump into today's episode, a quick word from today's sponsor, the Stories from the Road podcast. One of my favorite parts about RVing is sitting with other people and just sharing stories. The good, the bad, the hilarious. The Stories from the Road podcast talks to RVers from all walks of life and what led them to the RV lifestyle, the things they like, the things they don't like, and where they see themselves going in the future. The conversations are heartfelt and funny, and if you're any kind of RVer yourself, and you probably are since you listen to the RV Entrepreneur, you'll identify with a lot of what you hear. That's Stories from the Road podcast, and it's available in iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and everywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into today's episode with Ani. Ani, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Heath. So where are you guys sitting right now in your RV? Uh, right now, we're boondocking outside of the Bonneville Salt Flats in Utah. Oh, nice. I have not made it there. How is it? It's amazing. Um, it was always on my list of places that I wanted to visit. And I have to say, it's like even cooler than than I was expecting. It's so neat. And the dogs are loving it because they get to run around. <laughs> is it similar to the salt flats in where there's like other salt flats in the world, right? It's not these are not the only ones. Yeah, these are not the only ones. These are the first I've ever been to. So I can't um, can't speak to if they're similar to to other ones. But uh, yeah, it, if anyone's around this area, you know, it's I think it's only like 100 miles from Salt Lake City to the west on the border of Nevada. So if anyone's over here, definitely worth a stop. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you can get some really cool pictures. I feel like I've seen some of our friends that have just gotten some epic shots of because it's like distortion and like it's optical illusion almost when you're on the salt flats. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, the first day we were, we were here, we did like a full on dog photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, what I posted in the our Facebook group the other day, just asking people what kind of interesting side hustles they were doing from the road. Uh, and so you posted a photo of prob from probably a good dog, which is the name of your Etsy shop, which was all these portraits of dogs that you had painted in like quirky t-shirts, a baseball uniform, all these random things. <laughs> and you said, I'm, you know, I'm selling several of these a month and I've been doing this from RV, uh, since last year. And I, I clicked on it cause I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, and so I I'm excited to dig into this and, and make this kind of the first part of this series uh, on the podcast, just kind of showing off what people are doing from the side. So when you explain probably a good dog, how are you like, explain that to me if I'd never heard of it. Okay, so um, uh, probably a good dog is uh, my Etsy shop that I started in June of last year. So I'm just at the year now. Um, and I paint kind of silly, quirky, unique paintings of people's pets. Um, more than just dogs, I paint, you know, any animal. So so far, it's been like dogs, cats, horses, birds, you know, any pet that needs painting. Um, and, you know, I put them in, usually put them in like a silly outfit. So um, 
for example, um, you know, I made one cat Edward Scissorhands. I made it, <laughs> I made another cat um, Cersei from Game of Thrones sitting on the Iron Throne. Um, I made a horse and mule as uh, the American Gothic um, painting. So yeah, just um, you know, just kind of giving a unique angle on um, pet portraits. I love it. So how long have you been painting? Painting. Um, so I was always like an artsy kid growing up. I love drawing and painting. Um, but when I was 13, I, I found a camera and I really kind of dove into photography and that took over my life for a long time. Um, but I, you know, I was never like classically trained in painting or anything. Um, but I just kind of always did it on the side for fun. And a couple years ago, uh, for Christmas presents for my family, I painted everyone one of these silly pet portraits. And that was the first time um, I actually thought, you know, oh, maybe this would be a fun side project or a fun side hustle. Um, at the time, it was four different dogs. Um, and they were a hit. You know, my family loved them. I posted them on my personal Facebook page, just as like, hey, look what I did for my family for Christmas. And uh, I got a lot of like, a lot of likes, a lot of really good comments, good feedback. Um, so I always knew it was something I could do. I just never had the time. And like, what, what was kind of the impetus to say, all right, outside of family, I mean, people really like them, but what was kind of the tipping point for you to actually say, like, I'm going to do something with these. I'm going to sell these. Honestly, it was having the time from starting to be a full-time RVer and not have a full-time desk job and a commute and, uh, you know, and uh, outside commitments, um, all of those things in my life left me with no free time. So, you know, you don't feel very creative when you have no free time. <laughs> so, mm. uh, you know, we, we hit the road and, um, you know, we had never RV'd before. We didn't know anything about RVs other than, you know, I think like everyone starting out, you watch all the people on YouTube that are, are doing it right. And you learn about it that way. But, um, so the first couple months on the road, we're definitely like, about learning about RVing and um, travel planning and stuff like that. Um, but then then I realized, okay, this is my moment. If I'm going to try to make this work, um, it's going to be now. And what were you doing before you guys hit the road? What was your job? Um, so the most recent um, full-time job that I had, uh, we were living in San Francisco, and I was working as a project manager at a small design agency. Gotcha. And now you're still doing project management. You said before we jumped on, like 60% of your income is currently still tied up in, I guess you'd say freelance uh, project management. 20% is from probably a good dog. And the other 20% is kind of various other side things you're doing, like transcription services and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, before we hit the road, I was not sure what I was going to do um, to make an income to make money. And it was terrifying. You know, it was really stressful because I had had a full-time um, job with benefits and a 401k and bonus for the past 12 years, you know, consistently. <laughs> so I, I was definitely very scared of leaving that. Um, so yeah, I wasn't sure what I was going to do um, when we started RVing. I, I thought about, um, you know, I had worked as a freelance photographer um, at the start of my career. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll, um, go back into that, but it had been so long and I just felt, I felt like there was, um, more room to fail there <laughs> because I was a success. And then, you know, so much time had passed and I felt like so many people were doing it better than me. I just had a lot of self doubt. So, um, so yeah, I decided to try the painting thing because, um, it, it was kind of a new start and, 
I felt like, well, I'll try. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, you know, nothing to lose kind of. Yeah. I mean, what was going back to thinking about leaving a full-time gig for 12 years? Why, like, why, why did you guys want to give that up? (laughs) It's like for us, it was like, uh, at least for me, I know everyone's on a different timeline and totally different trajectory for everything. But um, I guess for I didn't even last a year. So it's like at 12, I feel like at 12 years, you're kind of like settled into some kind of semblance of routine. Like what disrupted that? So um, the 12 years wasn't consistent at one company. It was two companies. So the first job was um, nine and a half years. And then it was about two years, a little over two years at the agency in San Francisco. And um, I think it was just, it was a, it was kind of like a <laughs> perfect storm of stress, I guess. Um coming from a corporate uh, company, going to an agency, um, just the the pace of work is a lot faster. Um, and I knew that going into it. I knew that that's what I was signing up for. Um, so, you know, it was, it was very fast paced work. Um, I had a very long commute, you know, living in San Francisco is very expensive. And we we're, we're not real like city people I didn't want to live in the city, um, right in the middle of, of San Francisco. So we lived outside of it. So I had like, one way, it was probably an hour and 15 minute commute. And then um, I played a sport that just took up a ton of my time on the side. So um, just all of that, it just, I just was having a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. And I knew I needed to make a change. Um, Didn't know exactly what. It was kind of panicking, (laughs) you know. Um, Knew we needed to leave San Francisco just because of the cost of living. And, you know, my husband, um, Tommy, uh, he works freelance as a software developer. So he was like, well you know, I can leave whenever, you know, when, <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of on you. Uh, and he always jokes that I have like this, I had like this white knuckle, like death grip on my office chair. Like I was so scared to leave. Yeah. Um, but it's I, the golden handcuffs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And I love the work I was doing. I just, the stress that I was feeling was, was too much. So, um, and, you know, Tommy says, like, you know, you were the one that brought up RVing and full-time RVing. And I have no memory of that. So <laughs> I don't I don't know who brought it up. But all of a sudden, it came up. And we started talking about it and just decided, you know what? You know, even though we have no experience with RVing, let's give it a try. So what was, what was like, the hope that it was going to be this, well, you don't have to commute lifestyle, get out of the craziness and just kind of slow down? Was that the hope? Yeah, exactly. So we we love traveling, you know, even though we hadn't RV'd um, and we hadn't done a much, much camping either. And, you know, neither of us grew up as, you know, the family that went camping. Um, we did love traveling and we loved taking our dogs everywhere with us. So we thought, well, this RV lifestyle could be perfect because, you know, you don't have to worry about getting pet friendly motel rooms. Um, you know, the dogs can come with us pretty much everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, we just decided that, um, you know, it would be great for that reason. And hopefully the stress would kind of dissipate when I wasn't working a full 40 hours and commuting and playing a sport. Um, and, and that's been the case. I mean, it was, it was stressful a little bit in the beginning because, you know, you're driving a class A, you know, and I, we, neither of us had ever driven anything bigger than like a U-Haul, you know? (laughs) So, um, you know, for the first month or two, I think was a little, you know, a little scary. Um, but we figured it out, you know, figured out everything about our rig and how to travel plan. And, you know, we figured out that we loved boondocking. So we got our rig set up for that. And, um, and yeah, and, and only working, you know, I'm, with project management, um, you know, my hours are much less right now than, than 40 hours a week. So, um, the stress just went away because of that. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, so digging back into probably a good dog, you created some silly portraits of dogs for your family. People love them. Uh, and then that was, when was that? That was, you know, I think maybe like, uh, I'm trying to think maybe 2014 or 15, I think. And then I did. Okay. So yeah. a, f- a few years ago, and then last summer you decided that you're going to start doing this and selling them to strangers, people outside <laughs> your family. So like, what was the, I guess, first step in doing that? So after you guys had a little bit more time on your hands because you scaled down your hours and things like that, what was the first step in starting to sell these to other people. Right. So I I kind of knew that I wanted to sell on Etsy. That just seemed to be the best platform for that. Um, So I did some research on, you know, competitors, and there are a lot of pet portrait painters (laughs) on Etsy. Uh, Even ones that do like goofy. (laughs) No, so that was definitely my, that's your niche. That's my niche. That was my unique point. (laughs) And um, the other thing I think that sets me apart from a lot of the people on Etsy is that I do donate a portion of my sales to animal rescues and shelters. Um, and I do that. I, I make a 5% donation of sales each month um, to the shelter, to a shelter that's in the state that we're traveling in at the time. So like um, last month we were in Utah. So I made a donation to a Utah animal shelter. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And um, I think that resonates with a lot of people because so many people have rescue animals that when they see that that's part of my shop, they they like that. So that kind yeah. of apart. So yeah, so I just did research on my competitors, I set a price point. um, And then I put up the examples that I had, which um, was about three or four paintings for my family. Um, And then I launched it um, a day in June of 2017. So a year ago, and I just kind of made a like a I made a, a Facebook page for probably a good dog. And I also made an Instagram page. And then I announced it on my personal Facebook page. Um, and that's where I got a lot of initial support, obviously, was from my friends on Facebook. So a couple of your friends, did they just come right out and order one as soon as you launched it? Yeah, yeah. My friends are awesome. So I, uh, had, I had one guy um, right away. He was like, I want a painting of my cat. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> like, which is kind of ironic. It's called probably a good dog. And I, the first the sale is a cat. But People I, just assume that means also <laughs> cats. Yeah. It, and you know what? Don't tell my dogs, but I love painting cats. There's something. Yeah. Cats, I love it. Um, it's mostly because cats will just easily sit around all day and be totally content doing nothing. Where a dog is like, oh. yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's harder to get a good photo of a dog. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's like, you know, I want a painting of my cat, and I said, great. Do you want like a silly portrait, or do you want like an oh natural portrait? Because I also do those as well. They're just not quite as popular as the mm-hmm. silly pet portraits. And he was like, how about both? You know, so so that was really cool to get support like that from friends. Um, you know, believing in my shop when I had had no sales and no reviews on Etsy. So, so yeah, the first couple sales were definitely from friends and, you know, my network on Facebook. Um, and that really helped obviously to lean on, on friends like that because they, you know, I got some sales, I got some great reviews. They posted to their social networks, which helped it grow. Um, and then, um, I had a little bit of a lull that like right after that initial burst and I thought, okay, this is it. <laughs> it's my side hustle is over. I'm done. Um, but I actually, um, there was a dog rescue that I'm familiar with in New York who is having problems getting this one dog adopted. He's this adorable little Chihuahua mix. And, um, at the time he was being fostered in Florida. So, and I saw his picture online and he was, had this huge smile and he just looked so happy. And I'm like, why are people not adopting this dog? Um, so I offered them a custom painted portrait of him 
just to kind of like help reignite, you know, um, you know, getting the word out about his, his, um, him being up for adoption. So I painted him in this bright colored Hawaiian shirt on this bright background (laughs) (laughs) and I donated it to the animal shelter, to the, to the rescue in New York and they posted it on their social feeds and everything. And so that got me a lot of likes and, um, contacts from, you know, complete strangers. Um, but also people that love animal rescue, which was great because that's definitely, um, you know, my clientele. Um, and I'm happy to say that the dog, his name is Polly. He got adopted after that. So I don't don't know if I played much of a part, but I want to feel like maybe I did a little bit. (laughs) I mean, was it, uh, going back, what's, because we were chatting about this a little bit, there's always that kind of pushback that artists have, whether it's photography or painting. Uh, when you talk about like, well, why don't you try to sell them? There's always kind of like a big hurdle that people go through when just trying to decide to like put their artistry out there and make money from it. And there's all these fears that, you know, it's going to take away from the enjoyment of it and all these other things. So uh, what did you go through when deciding if you were going to pursue this as something to actually make money, did you go through any of that or was it no? just like, let's do it and see what happens. Um, it was a mix. Like part of it was, let's just do it and see what happens. Cause I felt like I had nothing to lose. Cause I wasn't like this established painter who had this like, you know, reputation right, like not to overthinking uphold. it. I think. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of going for it, you know? And, and it was the other thing, you know, was this was something I enjoyed doing, you know, I enjoyed painting since the time I was little and it just felt like, okay, I'm full-time RVing now. I have more free time. If I'm going to try this at any point in my life, it just felt like this, this was the right time to try it. And I felt like I just didn't, if I failed, I failed, you know, but I felt like, I felt like I should at least give it a try. And I definitely went through a lot of, um, you know, the back and forth in, in my mind about, you know, am I charging too much money? Um, is anyone going to pay this much money? Um, because right now, um, the price point that I settled on, um, my paintings are eight by 10 inches. Um, they're stretched canvas. Um, I use acrylic paint, uh, and I charge $125 per painting. Um, if it has one pet on it, sometimes people want maybe two or three pets on a painting and that's fine. Um, I just charge an additional $50 per pet. Um, because I full-time RV, you know, I can't really like, um, let Etsy figure out my shipping costs because I would have to update my <laughs> my location like every other day. Yeah. Uh, so I include free shipping um, with that $125 and a 5% donation to the animal shelter or rescue. How did you decide on your price point? Because that's always, I feel like a, one of the hardest parts of getting started with something like this is how do you, when you've never done this before, come up with that price point? It's really hard. Um, all I can say is that I just did a lot of research on Etsy about other people that were painting pet portraits. Um, and, you know, there were some people obviously that were much higher and much lower than than my price. But I felt like for me, um, you know, starting out that this is a good price. Um, you know, in the future, I may need to raise my prices a little bit. Um, but for now, like, I'm happy. I'm happy with this price point. And um, it seems that my customers think it's a fair price um, for the work that they get. So but yeah, it's, you know, a lot of back and forth. And I have to say, like, I know you and Alyssa recommended um, one of the books that I had I'd listened to as an audiobook. Um, it's that business boutique book by Christy Wright. Oh, yeah. Um, I also went to her conference. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like, I wish I had listened to that before I actually launched my business. I listened to it um, 
maybe about five months in. And that was so helpful. That that book oh, was, wow. yeah. So awesome. if anyone's thinking about doing like an Etsy side gig or something like that, definitely listen to her, her book or read her book. I'm, I'm more of a book listener. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, same. I listen when I'm painting. So that, that's when I did it. But yeah, that, um, that'll give you a great start. And I wish I had listened to that before I started, but still helpful, even if you're, um, if your business is up and running. It's kind of random, but listening to audiobooks was what got me into podcasts because I realized after like spending a good amount of money in college on audiobooks, I was like, I'm poor. I don't have any money to spend <laughs> on audiobooks. And then I realized podcasts were kind of just like free, a little bit more raw versions of audiobooks. And I was like, yeah. this is great. This totally fits my budget of zero. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think when I, I forget when I found your podcast, but um, I just binged it, you know, when I was painting. So I started, I probably should have started episode one, but I started at whatever the most recent <laughs> was, was when I started. But but yeah, um, you know, that was, that was awesome and super inspiring to listen to while, while I was starting a business. I love it. Good stuff. Well, yeah. uh, so how many, how many portraits are you currently selling per month? And would you say that most of them are kind of coming organically now through Etsy or what is after getting past that initial barrier of friends, family, initial refers, like where are you at now? Are they coming from Etsy? Is it because you have reviews in there? So what does that kind of look like? Yeah, I've had, um, a lot of sales through Etsy. Um, obviously it was first, it was friends, then it was friends of friends. And then I think it was about three months in, I got my first stranger sale. <laughs> which was That's so a good feeling. That's a good feeling. <laughs> oh, it's the best. I know. Cause you know, I, I don't know. I'm probably not the only one that does this. I like to think I'm not the only one, but you know, I'll see someone's name pop up as placing an order and I'll pop it into my personal Facebook page and I'll be like, Oh, they're, you know, we have 11 mutual friends or, or whatever. Um, so I know that's like friend of a friend. <laughs> But then I put this woman's name in and I was like, oh, we have no mutual friends. This is so exciting. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm actually getting complete strangers now through Etsy. Um, and, you know, I'm finding that um, Instagram is also just a great way um, to get clients. I get a lot of people reaching out through Instagram and then I kind of redirect them over to Etsy. Um, Facebook isn't working so hot. I think it's just, um, you know, I think you have to do a lot more paid advertising on Facebook to kind of actually get seen. But um, Instagram has been awesome for me. I almost feel like you you should just reach out to other RVers who have pets and just be like, uh, especially if they have like a good Instagram following or something, you know, just be reach out to them and be like, Hey, can I paint a portrait of your dog? Like no pressure. You can post if you want kind of thing. But uh, I don't know, like it seems like if Instagram is a good platform, that might not be a bad thing to do. I've actually done that. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. How did it work out? It's worked. It's been awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. And um, it actually kind of spurred um, another um, another product, I guess, that I'm going to be adding to my Etsy site because, you know, I offered that to RVers and they said, oh, I would I would totally love that, you know, um, but I don't have room for an eight by 10 inch uh, painting <laughs> to hang on the wall. So yeah. I actually made some five by seven inch um, paintings oh, nice. that are that are flat board canvas. So, you know, they don't have the dimension that the eight by 10 does. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm going to be adding that soon, just kind of working out the price point. But I'm going to be adding that soon to my Etsy site because, um, you know, I think at least for our viewers, maybe it's a good option. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. I mean, wall space is scarce. So if, but if there was one thing that I feel like other RVers would make room for, it's a silly portrait of their dog or their cat because RVers love their, love their pets. Exactly. That is so 
three to a few hundred to 500 bucks a month in that range. Like, uh, it sounds like it's kind of like what your custom, uh, portraits are bringing in, which is awesome. Uh, so what is kind of the goal and how you're one, one thing that I've been interested in, if you've been listening to the podcast, you, you already know, I talk about this sometimes is like this idea of a bridge business. Like you've been doing project management for a long time and now you're on the side, cause you created the time you're, you're kind of splitting these things. So how are you kind of balancing your focus between project management clients and also doing the pet portraits and, and trying to push to make uh, the pet portraits more of your main thing? Yeah. So um, as far as the, the, pet portraits go. Um, I, my goal right now, like I said, I think it's about 20% of my income right now. My goal, um, is to get it up to about 50%. Um, but by doing that, you know, I'm only one person with, and there's so many hours in the day. So, you know, there's only so many paintings I can make, I guess, (laughs) um, without, um, basically finding out a way to, also sell a product that's less labor intensive. So one of my goals, and I haven't figured out quite how to do this yet, is maybe to offer some things on my Etsy page um, that are kind of uh, generic and like pre-made things. Like maybe I could make a silly pet portrait of like a Labrador dressed as like a sea captain or a doctor or something like that, and then offer it as a print, I'm thinking, um, and kind of just not even have the stock in the RV, but just use like a print on demand service um, you know, just, just some kind of like generic things, because I know when I was in like a sticks and bricks, I was that person that went on Etsy and bought like an illustration of a cat dressed up as a, (laughs) as a cowboy, you know, like, I don't know why I did that, but I did. And I popped it in a frame (laughs) and I thought it was super cute. So, you know, something like that, or maybe making like a set of note cards or some, something like that, that maybe I could put on my Etsy site that wouldn't take up, um, so much of my time. You know, so I think that's the way I'm going to grow the business. Um, and, uh, and also by adding some more different products, like I talked about the smaller canvas, which because it's smaller, it takes up less time. Um, I've also started painting on, um, on rocks, like hand sized rocks. Um, I, I do pet portraits on those, um, kind of as like memorial stones and, um, those have been, um, very popular too, but I haven't offered them yet on Etsy. So, you know, kind of just diversifying the products that I offer and coming up with some less labor intensive options. <laughs> nice. What have you, uh, what have you learned so far about selling on Etsy? I think just that you can't rely on Etsy alone to get sales. Like you, I'm definitely doing a lot of, um, social networking, uh, like I said, especially on Instagram, um, just talking about it. I always have my business cards on me. Like if we, you know, are RVing and we start chatting with someone, I'll always, you know, especially if they have a pet with them, I'll always hand them a card. You can't just put your product up there and sit back and relax and just wait for the money to roll in, (laughs) you know, like that's probably not going to happen. So for me, it's just taken a lot of self-promotion. And also, I mean, you have a number of reviews on there too. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that people will look for whenever they're searching and using Etsy is just a marketplace and place to search is like, oh, she's got all these examples I can look at, all these reviews. And and then it just makes you feel safer about, you know, getting in there and getting a a portrait for your beloved pet. Exactly. Oh, and the other thing you mentioned about reviews is is something I should bring up too, is like, um, you know, I feel like uh, unless people buy a lot on Etsy, like if they're kind of new to Etsy, they have trouble finding how to leave a review. So I actually... um, 
I have this little just paper insert that I put in with my packaging that gives them step-by-step instructions on how to oh, leave nice. a review. Cause so many times people will, they'll just like hit me up on Instagram or Facebook and be like, I got my painting. Oh my God. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> but then they don't leave a review and I'm like, Oh, come on, leave a review. Um, so sometimes it takes a little bit of follow up. You know, I would say, don't be scared. You know, if, if the person told you how much they loved it, like don't be scared to contact them a couple days later and be like, Hey, I'm so glad you loved your painting. You know, would you mind following these steps and leaving me a review? You know, I like to tell people that my shop is new, so I really rely on on reviews. Um, and totally. and most of the time, people are like way more than happy to help and, and to do that. Yeah, it feels awkward. I do the exact it same does, thing with the podcast. Yeah. Obviously, at the end of this podcast, I almost ask every single time to leave a review. And it's <laughs> and it's even weirder whenever people sometimes will reach out and email and say that they really love the podcast and enjoy it because those are like the best messages. And then. I'll give a genuine response and and try to be as thoughtful as possible. And then um, a lot of times, unless it's like something extremely personally ex- personal, where I feel like a slime ball for asking them to like right. leave a review <laughs> after they just shared their heart out. Right. Um, I'll just be like, so glad you've loved it. You know, would would totally appreciate a review if you haven't already left one. And a lot of times, people know that if they reach out to me. I've asked for a review so many times. They're like, I left a review by the way, just so you know. <laughs> so like, okay, I, Heath, I don't I need you to tell me too. again. <laughs> Oh, That's man. awesome. But it, because here's the thing: is is as weird as it feels, getting past that is it, it it helps things grow. It helps more people find it, and it's worth it. It's worth that little period of awkwardness just to ask for it. I totally. Think. And I I've never had someone say no, you know. So yeah, <laughs> so totally. it's it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Awesome. Well, where is a good bull, Ani, for people to connect with you and learn more about probably a good dog? Sure. Um. Uh, you can find me at probablyagooddog.com um, on Etsy, Facebook, and Instagram as probably a good dog. And if anyone wants to follow just our RV adventures, um, you know, with our dogs, uh, we are uh, at thedogisdriving.com and also on Instagram at thedogisdriving. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ani, for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Heath. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the first episode in the Side Hustle series with Ani. I'm really excited about this one. This is kind of a unique format up until this point. I've really tried to include most of the guests who are running their full-time business, but there's so many interesting ways that people are making money and doing so in a location independent way. And I like I like this idea of the side hustle because it's kind of like you start small. It takes time to grow a business that can become your full-time income. It took Alyssa and I years before we had been able to replace our previous job income with the amount of money that we make on the road. It just gives you kind of clear ideas and a lot of different things that you can try out uh, on the road. So I'm really pumped to dig into this series and I'll see you guys on the next one on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. Finito! Finito!